part three of foundations. We're going to talk today about faith. Let's read verse one and two and let's launch into it. I've got more than I can handle right here tonight. I can promise you that you think about, I mean, my subject is faith. So that kind of covers from Genesis to Revelation. You know what I'm talking about? The whole Bible is talking to us about having faith in this God that it's writing about, you know, this God that it's representing to us. So the whole idea of the Bible is, is t telling us, this is God, trust him, trust him. So uh, pray for me. Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2. Let's read that together. Everybody see my screen okay right there? It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So the Hebrews writer is saying, let's, let's go on and let's build ourselves up in, in Christ and be everything he wants. But we got to make sure that we have these foundations in place. Uh, these, just real simply put, we, we've spent a couple times together on repentance, talked about that. Uh, whenever you talk about those kind of things, uh, you're not sure how, you know, there's so many scriptures about the idea of repent and return back to God. I uh, hope it was meaningful to you. I hope you could put some things together and maybe it sparked some other ideas in you as well. Repentance, faith, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection, and eternal judgment. Now we're talking about repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Those two kind of go together really because the idea of repentance is to turn from one and go to the other. We're, we're turning from dead works and we're putting our faith and trust in God. Now just reviewing again, the idea of repentance is to make a decision to turn and go the other way. You've written that down a couple times already. So to make a decision, okay? You get the knowledge of who God is. You get the knowledge of his kingdom. You're, you're, that's what Jesus, the, the uh, thing that people called him the most, the title people gave him the most was rabbi, which simply means teacher, because Jesus came teaching about this, this reality of the kingdom of God. And people had to hear what he said. And Jesus said, it's time for you now to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's come close to you. It's time for you to, to make a decision to turn and go the other way. So this idea of making a decision, and it's also the idea of changing your mind. So you change your mind and you make a decision, basically, is the idea of repentance. To change the mind, which results in the changing of your lifestyle. Now, what happens if somebody says they, they've changed their mind, or maybe they would, not too many people use the word repent, they might say they repent. Well, what if somebody says they changed their mind, but then their life doesn't change? What, what, what's your conclusion? Without being judgmental, what, what would be your conclusion? It didn't really change, did it? Because the change in, in, in mind towards God leads to a change of life, somehow, some way, some shape. It may be baby steps. It may, might be big steps. I'm not sure. Now, in, in the context of what we're talking about, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, it's a decision to turn away from dead works. Now, what in the world is the idea of dead works? We're going to get a little bit more into that today. A decision to turn away from dead works and turn to faith in God. So in, in the context, again, of the, the changing of the mind, it's a change of mind to stop trying to save yourself and trust in Christ for your salvation in life. Okay. So the idea of dead works is, is that we have a propensity as human beings to try to save ourselves. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what's, what's the first thing they did? When they heard God coming their way, what did they do? Anybody remember the story? They hid and then they covered themselves with 
the fig leaves. Remember that? They hid and then they covered themselves. That, that's that's a, a, a real telltale story about human behavior. How do you know moms when, when your kids do wrong? You can't find them, can you? Where they, what, why? What do they do? They hide. It's just something that's in us. We know when we do wrong. We know that it's not good. We don't want to face the consequences. We hide. But if you start talking to that kid, what, well, he's got some, she's got some fig leaves, don't they? They'll start trying to cover it up and cover the, well, it wasn't me, it was her, it was him, it was them, I can't help it, I don't know, and got cookie crumbs on the, on the chin and they still didn't do it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's that kind of deal. So the, the idea is to, to stop trying to save yourself, to come clean, let go of those dead works, and trust in Christ for your salvation in your life. Now this idea, the idea of the gospel, the idea that you can't save yourself, it, it strikes a, a, a fatal blow to the ego. We call that ego pride. It strikes a fatal blow. The idea strikes at the source of all sin. If you could boil down the source, the, the root cause, if you could say it like that, the root cause of all sin in our life is this one word and it's called pride. Pride. It's, it's a deadly sin, really. It's, it's something that, that has gripped all of us. And, and maybe one of the ways to look at it is, is, is pride from the time of Genesis 3 all the way down to us. It's the idea of us wanting to live independent from God. We want our independence from God. That's, that's the idea of sin. Because we want to do it like Frank Sinatra said. What did he say? We want to do it, we want to do it my way, our way, our own way. All we like sheep, I think we read that Isaiah 64 passage. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one turning to their own way. That's, that's the whole idea of pride and sin. That, that, that leads to every other type of sin, any kind of sexual immorality, any kind of, of, of hatred and animosity and, and vengeance and all the malice and, and anger and all the things that come out in, in human beings uh, come out of us. All those kind of things at root is, is pride. We want to do life our way, independent from God. But the gospel comes to us and says, there's a better way to live. There's a higher way to live. And, and, but it strikes a blow to the ego. It strikes a blow to us, to our pride. And the, the gospel calls us to total dependence upon God. Actually, the revelation is, you don't realize it. You are already 100% dependent on God. You just don't know it yet. If he didn't give you your next breath, you couldn't catch it with a fast train. But the pride of humanity blocks that, and we want to be independent. We want to be our own person, self-made people, all of those kind of things. Do it our way. And we put God on the shelf, and we go get him when we want him. That kind of thing, you know. All right. So the idea of moving from pride, we move from pride over here, which is a deadly thing, which is killing us, really. We move from pride, and we move over to faith. We could say it like this. Jesus would talk a lot about this idea. We, we move from self-righteousness, trying to work it out ourselves, trying to be better, trying to do our own thing, trying to, to, to maybe create our works are right, maybe try to even follow a good code or a good religious code or something like that, maybe even the Bible. But self-righteousness has got to give way, if you're going to find salvation in this kingdom, self-righteousness has to give way to Christ-righteousness. And that's the, that's the wonderful story of the good news of the gospel, that Christ has given an opportunity for all of us to partake in his righteousness, which is perfect, by the way. Hmm. So you can, you can stay in your self-righteousness, which is not going to pay the bills, so they say. 
or you can trade self-righteousness for Christ's righteousness. All right. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time in this Ephesians 2. I know we've hit it already, but there's just so much here. Let's, let's, let's spend some more time in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I got some fill in the blanks there for you as we, we read through this. This is one of my favorite passages, and I encourage you, if you don't have this one memorized, uh, get it in your memory banks, quote it to yourself, remember it. It's the heart of who we are, really. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm not going to have a whole lot of time to unpack this thought, but let me just plant this as a seed in you. The idea is to go from dead works to good works. You see? That's, that's the idea. And it's not the dead works, the salvation, you can't work it out. There's no way you can work it out. It's like a person that's so far in debt, they absolutely can't do anything about it. They just have to file bankruptcy. Spiritually, that's the way we all stand before God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody is in this category. And there's no way we can pay the debt. There's no way we can work it out. Uh, the, the terms are too high. We can't on our best day. It's only by grace that we come into this kingdom and we experience God's salvation. It's only by grace. Now, grace is one of those beautiful words in the Bible that is absolutely amazing, isn't it? It's just amazing. Uh, and we don't have time to unpack all the definition, but you would be wise to go and do a word study on the idea of what grace really is. And Paul preached grace as thick as anybody, all right? Now, by grace, let's, let's jump into this idea. By grace, salvation is by the gracious act of God's love and kindness. That's the only way there is. That's the only true way. Now, let me give you some ideas of, of grace. Maybe you've seen it. You see that. Have you heard of the acronym for grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. Have you heard of that before? God's riches at Christ's expense. There's that idea. You probably heard the idea of unmerited favor. The word unmerited just simply means unearned. There's no possible way that you can earn God's grace. In fact, if you, if, if you earn something, that's, that's wages, it's not grace, it's something different there. So it's unmerited or, or unearned favor. Grace in the scriptures is always presented as a gift. In fact, we just read that, didn't we? Right, right there it says, uh, that not of yourselves, this, this salvation by grace through faith, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. Now, anybody pay for the Christmas gifts? Well, most of us dads do, but that's a different story, right? <laughs> Here's $50, go buy me something. <laughs> Maybe 20 but, but when it comes to this idea of coming into the kingdom and this idea of what salvation is, it is simply a gift from God. Now, I don't, I don't know if, if it's like you. Paul and I have had this kind of interaction a, a couple times. But sometimes it's hard to receive a gift from somebody, isn't it? I'm paying for dinner. No, you're paying for dinner. No, I, yeah, yeah, we go back and forth on that kind of stuff sometimes. But it's, it's, it's sometimes hard for us to receive a gift. All right, a gift. It's a benefit. It's a joy from God to you. And then there's a, this other concept of grace. It, it's not another, but it's just a, it just keeps building on itself. Grace is the idea of God's empowerment for you to live on. You ever... 
You ever heard people say these kind of things? Well, God graced me to do that. You ever heard people say that, that idea? Or, or, or God, give me grace to do this. That, that's the idea of, of grace. It's not just the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin is in there. But it's also all the gifts and all the strength and all the power and all the peace and all the joy. Everything comes as a gift from God. And it, it is part of his empowering grace to us. God gives us the grace to get through it. I just, just came out of her automatic just a second ago when I was over here. Miss Pat talked a second ago. She said to Ashley, she said, yeah, well, we went to Mobile. God helped me get through it. Well, another way to say that is God graced me to get through it. That's, that's the idea of empowerment. And that may be a small thing just coming, but we, we should look at God like that all the time, that he's always involved in our affairs. He's always involved in every aspect of our life. And we live off of his grace. It's not that sinners need grace. You know who needs grace more than anybody? Believers need grace. We have to live on. Somebody said one time that, that believers burn grace like a 747 burns jet fuel. We need it to live on. We can't live without his goodness and his grace. All right. So by grace, we're saved. Now by grace, let, let, me, let me throw this idea out at you. It's based upon Jesus's works. You see this idea of works. We, we've come across it a couple times already. It's not of works. It's not of your works. But it is based upon Jesus' works, what Jesus has done. Now, here's, here's the, the gospel. The, the good news is there has been something done on your behalf that if you want to, you put your faith or trust into that, you can partake of the same benefit as the one who went through it. Now, this is the good news. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. It's real simple, real, real simple, concise declaration of the gospel. It says, moreover, brothers and sisters, I declare to you the gospel. I declare to you. How about that? I like that old Southern thing. I declare. Somebody used to say that on some TV personality used to say that all the time. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Mm, don't even want to talk about that, but there is a believing that doesn't really work. Hmm. Verse 3, here's the gospel. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So the gospel is this, this simple statement that in history, God did something through Jesus through his death, through his burial and his resurrection, God did something that was a good news, a herald of good news to the entire world to say that if you want to get in on it, this is already done. It's good news. The idea of, of, of the good news is, you ever see these movies where the kings in ancient times, maybe Middle Age times and things like that, would go out and they would have a herald and they would stand in the, in the courthouse square or in the city town and they would go, Hear ye, hear ye, by the word of the king. Well, see, that's the idea of the gospel. It's, it's, it's like God standing out in front of everybody and saying, Hey, I want to let you know something has been done on your behalf and every one of you can get in on it. <coughs> and what were the three historical things he talked about? What were the three things he talked about? Just real simple. What did he say? That Christ died according to our sins. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. 
And that's as simple as you can get the gospel. And there's a lot of nuance and other things that you can talk about in the gospel. But when you want to talk about what actually happened, now you can talk about what it provided, but what actually happened to cause all this to come to be, for this kingdom to come in its fullness to us, this is what happened. Those three things. Okay? Now, that is the grace. And, and notice there, this is just sidebar. He says, died according to the scriptures, died for our sins according to the scriptures. Isn't it interesting that he appeals as the divine authority for what Jesus is and who he is and what he did? He appeals to the scriptures as the number one authority. Then he goes into the rest of the chapter talking about the eyewitnesses. They're important as authority as well. But what's the primary authority is the scriptures. Well, now you know why the enemy fights so hard against the scriptures. Fights you from getting into it. Fights to keep it out of our families. Fights to keep it out of our schools. Fights to keep it out of our nation. He don't want this because this is a declaration of good news that he didn't want you to hear. All right? All right. So the, the issue here that we're talking about is you can live by your dead works or you can live according to Jesus' works. You can live according to your dead works. But, but as far as dead works go, and what's the phrase that we've been studying now? Repentance from dead works, right? God's plan for your salvation is for you to do what with your dead works? To turn from them. To make a decision and say, you know what, I've been trying a long time to get my life right. I've been trying a long time to get back in a relationship with God or to get in a relationship with whatever it might be or to get this worked out in my life. I changed my mind. I can't work it out. That's all dead. That, that's, that's just not going to work for me. You've got to make that change. And you put your faith and your trust in Jesus' works now. Okay. Now, I've never quite really throughout the years really framed it up like this idea, but I wanted you to see the idea is... You can trust in your works. We could put your right underneath that idea of dead. You can trust in your works. A lot of people are. Or you can trust in Jesus' works. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all declarations to us to show us the work that Jesus has done in history. And the promise is he did it in history and he can still do it in you today. That's the promise of the Gospels. Okay, now, So it's by grace that we're saved through this avenue of faith. God does everything through faith. He simply wants you to believe him. And I, my favorite word for faith is not believe. We've kind of worn that out. And that's a great word in Scripture. But my favorite word, personally, is the word trust. God simply wants you to put your trust in Him. Now let me ask you this. Is that an easy thing to do? It's really not, is it? I mean, it would be if we got a glimpse of who God really is, we would be instantly at ease and at rest and at peace. But we're convoluted in our understanding of Him. We're not quite clear about how good and gracious He really is. We're not really clear on the Scriptures sometimes because we're not in it as much as we need to be. So thereby, our faith level is real low because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more you hear and hear and hear the Word of God, the more your faith grows. Okay? Through faith, we access God's grace by faith in Christ's finished work. 
This may be elementary for you, but I want you to be reminded because this is the message we've got to get to people. Because I can, I can promise you, not everybody knows this. I mean, people you bump into every day don't understand this. People that come to our church, we're still trying to grasp it sometimes. So it, it, I found out about the foundations. You've got to keep going back to the foundations and make sure everything's firm. When, when I was playing baseball, you know, um, there's only a few skills that baseball needs. And the, if you go into a slump or have a hard time, you know what we always go back to? We always go back to the basics to get it right. A good coach always takes his place, even the best ones, even the ones that have five-tool skills and all that kind of stuff and, and are upper echelon players. You take those upper echelon players, bring them right back down to the basics and hone it and make sure it's good and solid. Always, always. So we need to do the same thing with our faith, I believe. Now, faith versus dead works or trust versus dead works. Faith is trusting in the work of Jesus Christ. That's the idea of faith. Again, I'm repeating myself for, for, for emphasis here. Dead works is the idea of trusting in your performance to keep any set of religious requirements, maybe even scripture sometimes, or to do enough good to earn your spot. You know, everything in the world operates off of your earning your spot, except for the kingdom of God. You realize that? I mean, your boss doesn't operate like this, does it? <laughs> Your boss operates on performance, doesn't he? He operates on you earning your keep, so to speak. The school system operates off of that. Our, our education system all operates off of that. You know? And sometimes uh, relationships operate off that kind of thing. That's why sometimes it's so hard for us to trust in the kingdom of God because it's the only thing that operates like this, by faith. You put your trust in God. You have to not trust, repent of your dead works. Right? I think you get the point, maybe. Listen to Jesus' last words. John 19, 28 through 30. This is Jesus on the cross. This is his last words. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, putting it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, which was kind of like a painkiller, a little bit of a painkiller type thing. He said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. It is finished. Some of the most important words you'll hear. It is finished. What, what, what is it? Anybody want to help me out? What is, what's finished? What, what's finished? God's plan. God's plan? Anybody else? Every, the, the work that Jesus came to do at that moment in time, Jesus says, I, all things are accomplished. It is finished. One idea, you may have heard this before, one idea that it is finished in the Greek is the idea of paid in full. I, I paid the ultimate, I paid it all. It's all paid for now. All right? Now, now listen to this. Let's go back over to Hebrews, or excuse me, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's all finished. Now listen, I'm just going to insert these little phrases in here just, just for clarity. These are added by me, obviously. For by grace or by Jesus' works, you have been saved, delivered, healed, and made whole. 
through faith or trust in Jesus' works. And that not of yourselves, not because of your works, it is the gift of God based on Jesus' works. Not of works or your performance, lest anyone should boast about their performance. You remember Paul who had a great performance or great track record. He had a great resume. In fact, of all the people of his generation, if you were to put his resume up, he was on top. His education was supreme. It was above everybody else. His credentials were great. He lists some of them out in, in one of his writings. And he says that all of that stuff, he had to count it loss that he might win Christ. Because what was happening in Paul's spirit is his works were trying to compete with Jesus's works. And he said, I've got to let these works that are dead go so that I can embrace what Christ. You see what I'm talking about? It is finished. Jesus absorbed in his body in those moments. He absorbed the curse of sin, which was levied in Genesis chapter 3. He absorbed, he absorbed, excuse me, the curse of the law, which is guilt. He absorbed the payment for sin, which was life. His life. He absorbed the consequences of sin, which was death. And there on that cross, he made the payment for all of our needs. Spiritual needs, physical needs, emotional needs temporary needs or eternal needs he paid the price for it all so now we're talking about this idea of repenting or turning away from your dead works and putting your faith toward God if Jesus paid for everything what do we pay for <laughs> what do we pay for If the bill's paid, what are you paying for? Nothing. You're not paying for anything. It's a gift. You, you don't pay for anything. You receive the gift that's been paid for by him. So if your mortgage is paid in full, will you keep sending payments to the bank? I don't think I will, will you? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, I was... I really was meditating on this through a season of life, just, just trying to grasp some, some of the idea. And I, I, I literally had a dream. And it was with me and one of my good buddies. We went to the grocery store and had a, had a load of groceries. And we got to the end of the line, and, and he was a little ahead of me. And he said, hey, come on, Ron. I, I, I paid for all the groceries. Come on. Let's go. And I said, no, 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 no. That's fine. I'll, I'll take care of it. He said, no, I paid for it all. I mean, this is all happening real vivid in my dream. I paid for it all. And I, I commenced to pull out my wallet. And I, I said, no, no, I, I'll pay for it. It's paid for. And I, I started to pay for it. It's kind of like me and you going at it again. I, 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 in, in my heart, I wanted to pay for it. And he said, no, it's paid for. And we're having this little get together right there in Kroger. You know what I'm saying? And the Holy Spirit woke me up. He said, would you stop? Would you just stop? 
because I'm, I'm very competitive and, and I'm very performance driven. I want to do good. I want to do my fullest of everything that I do. I put my whole heart into it, everything I do. I, I try to anyway. And the Lord had to teach me something that, that I was doing that in my relationship with him. I, I just kept trying to earn my spot. I kept trying to wonder if I was in good standing with him. I kept trying to wonder if, if he was pleased with me. And he just said, hey, it's paid for. Would you quit? And just rest. See, that's what the scripture tells us. It teaches us to, to now, that because everything's paid for, we can rest. Now, rest it doesn't mean we don't do anything, but it does mean that the engine inside of me calms down and stops trying to earn its spot. You understand? What's that? It's a gift. See, everything in the kingdom is by grace through faith. Everything in the kingdom. You can't earn anything in this kingdom. You can't earn any kind of honor. You can't earn any kind of gift. You can't earn any kind of thing. You can't earn any kind of authority. You can't earn it all. It is all a gift. Now, you can honor him. When you receive whatever that gift is, but you can't earn anything. But here's the good news. You can't earn anything because he wants to give you everything. He said, you can't come into my house and pay for anything because it's all paid for. <laughs> you can't sit at my table and eat and then leave a tip because I won't take it. It's paid for. <laughs> all right. See, that's why... Dead works have to go because you can't work this out. Here's just a little play on words I wrote. Dead works can be traded for good works when you put your trust in Jesus' works. See, there's a place for work and for working and works. There's a place for good deeds in this kingdom, isn't it? Well, certainly. And boy, there's a place for good deeds in our community, in our country. We need more of that, don't we? But the, 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 the problem comes, your, your dead works, you have to trade them off for good works. And the only way you can do that is put faith in Jesus' work. And then when you put faith in Jesus' work, he's laid out all the good works for you to live in. And he says, now come on and do the work of my kingdom and do good. And I'll receive that. But until you put faith in Jesus' works, everything you do is just dead works. It can be the best of stuff. I mean, Paul said if you don't have love and you do all these kind of things, even to the point of sacrificing your own life, he said it's nothing. If you don't, if you don't do it right, it's nothing. You know what I'm talking about? All right. I, I think I'm about done. By grace through faith. Everybody say it with me. By grace through faith. It's just by God's kindness, by God's graciousness, by God's mercy that we're saved. And we trust that the good news is true. That Jesus' work is full. It's paid. It's accomplished. It's finished. Just one other illustration before we go. In the Old Testament, I don't, I'm not sure if I shared this with you in the past or not. I'm getting old. I can repeat myself and not even know it. Not even bother me no more. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> uh, in the Old Testament, People would bring sacrifices to the tabernacle or to the temple. There'd be a line. There'd be a priest there to receive the worshiper and their sacrifice. When they brought the sacrifice, let me ask you this. When the priest 
and the worshiper met with the, let's say it's a little lamb. Let's say he brought, this, this gentleman brings a lamb to the priest. Does the priest examine the man or does he examine the lamb? He examines the lamb, doesn't he? He makes sure it doesn't have any spots, any blemishes and all that kind of thing. And here's the good news. The good news for that man. Well, hey, here's the other news. The news, if he's in that line, there's a reason. He's a sinner. He needs help if he's in that line. Everybody already knows it. In fact, if you know Leviticus a little bit, if you saw somebody outside of some of the feast time, you saw them in line for a certain type with a certain type of sacrifice, you'd be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh, uh, something wasn't good, was it? They would examine the sacrifice. And here's the good news. If the sacrifice was good, the man was good. He did it. He was guilty. He sinned. But his sacrifice redeemed him, paid the price, and based upon the quality of that man's sacrifice, he was let go. He was set free. Now fast forward to the New Testament. The New Testament says this, when we approach God, who is our sacrifice? Or what is our sacrifice? What is it? Jesus is our sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God that that has taken away our sins. And we'll take away the sins of the world, anybody that comes to him. We come in Jesus' name. In fact, when we're taught to pray in church, we are taught to pray in Jesus' name. Now, that's become a phrase that we say, and I say it all the time. And we, we ask all this in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name. I say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea is, is that when I pray, is not that I tag on a phrase at the end of my prayer, is that I literally am praying and able to talk to God because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has accomplished. Because of what he has worked out on my behalf. So when I say in Jesus' name, it's not just Christian ease. It's like, I really am here because of him. That's the idea, okay? So when I come to worship God, does he examine me or does he examine my sacrifice in order to let me in? (laughs) See, now, now we get to a tough question because now we're dealing with us. I don't know. I didn't do too good last week. Well, now that does matter. But your access is granted because of your sacrifice. Does that make sense to you? We get in because of Him. So God doesn't just examine you. He examines the sacrifice and He says, Jesus, you are in Christ. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul says it like this. You are in Christ. Or you are in Christ Jesus. And God examines the sacrifice. And based upon the quality of our sacrifice, we get in. And that's really good news because the quality of our life and lifestyle is nothing what it should be for any of us. Now, you, hopefully you're better than you were. But we're, we're not just comparing to each other or just to ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to Christ. We get in on Him, Okay. And if you learn to put your trust in his work, it'll open up the avenue for you to learn to rest in God. Stop trying to make your own way. Because too many times we make the mistake of the Galatians. See, the Galatians, the idea, I wanted to go into Galatians, but we don't have time. He says to the Galatians, who bewitched you? 
now that you come into this kingdom and into Christ, who bewitched you that now that you're in, are you perfected by what you do? No, 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 no. We're still riding on his sacrifice. We're still riding on his goodness. We're still riding on his grace. We're still riding on who Christ is and how he's paid the price for us. That's why we worship. That's why we sing to him. That's why we lift our voice and that's why we bow. That's why we pray. That's why we worship. That's why we honor him. It's because we're still riding on his sacrifice. And here's, here's the other side of it. We're going to ride him all the way through eternity, to be honest with you. <laughs> By grace, through faith. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. All right.